0: Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Limcooler, Extension Beef Cattle Specialist at the University of Kentucky. Through the Beef Bits Podcast, we will share current news, management tips, new research, and other issues related to beef cattle production. I'll be joined by various guests to bring different views and insights on beef cattle topics. I hope you will follow or subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast and find the information useful welcome to another episode of the beef bits podcast today i'm joined by uh, a, a good group of colleagues uh, county agents uh, whitney and and matt and daniel they're the kind of founders of the dirt to dollars podcast and uh, just want to welcome you all to uh, this episode today thanks for having us hey. Yep,
1: yeah, thanks for having us
0: so it's good to good to kind of have some Uh, exchange back and forth. We just did one uh, the other day where I was the guest, and and this will work out nice. You guys started this podcast when, uh, back around March?
2: Yeah, I think uh, mid-March-ish, but now we didn't do this because of coronavirus. I think it was just very, very good timing. Um, We were something we were planning on doing anyway, and this just kind of pushed pushed us to go on and and take that step and, and try it out.
1: Yeah, Daniel, I believe that it was our January staff meeting that the three of us sat down at lunch and I said, I think we need to, I'd like to do a podcast. And you said, I've been thinking about doing it. And it just kind of worked from there. So it was a brainchild before the pandemic, but it was a, a good needed thing during the pandemic.
0: Well, that's kind of the same way this got kicked off. Um, I was a guest on one a colleague of mine in kansas asked me to be on one and i thought you know this this actually could have some application And uh, if nothing else we can hit maybe a different target audience
3: yeah so, uh, go ahead matt yeah that's something we've seen too is we're reaching people that we really wouldn't have have reached in a traditional extension meeting
0: yeah so let's maybe back up i should have done this when uh, we first got started but um maybe we can go around and uh, have y'all introduce yourselves a little bit and Whitney we'll start with you. Okay. Um, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about where you're from, what county you're in, and um, maybe uh, a few recent experiences that you just had.
1: Okay well I am Whitney Carmen. I'm the Extension Agent for Ag and Natural Resources in Grayson County which is you know central Kentucky and We, I've been there eight years. I started in Hancock County as an extension agent. Previously worked with the uh, beef council, Kentucky beef council. So I've been in beef. You know, in the industry for several years, um, extension for going on nine now. So I'm I'm really lucky to be a part of this, and I have enjoyed um, doing being an extension agent. And the good thing about Grayson County is is that we have a lot of beef cattle, we have a lot of hay production, and we have a lot of other diverse industries. So I get to try to do a lot of different things, and that that's what makes this job fun. And Recently, I just had my third child, so I'm actually coming straight off maternity leave back. But we've had—I've <laughs> been at home working this week because of the snow, so it's been interesting with the three children at home and and working extension. But hey, that's that's what we do. We're we're flexible in that realm. So
0: that is certainly the case, and uh, of course, it probably isn't just too bad to be. Um, Having a little work at home with the newborn compared to doing <laughs> trying trying to do night meetings and get home and that's take true. care of three kids.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's to be determined for sure uh, here in the next few weeks because that's we're gonna start night meetings again as, as we can. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's out.
0: <laughs> so just as a reminder, um, Grayson County, kind of the the mm-hmm. s- maybe the center uh, city that folks might think about Litchfield
1: litchfield Caneyville. if anybody knows dr or doctor knows uh mr agriculture warren beeler he is from grayson county so if you've heard him talk about home that's where his that's where he resides
0: there you go that that'll give some uh, context to, to grayson yeah. county if you if you haven't been through or you get confused you know it seems like we've got a, a lot of cities uh mm-hmm. that are named not in the county where they're at or um Vice versa, we've got counties and and you don't think of the seat of the uh, county being the same name. That's right. Daniel, tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from and uh, what county you're in. All right. So I'm uh,
2: Daniel Carpenter and I'm the extension agent for Agriculture Natural Resources in LaRue County. Uh, That's capital L, lowercase a, capital R, lowercase (laughs) ue. Make sure (laughs) you spell it right. They'll correct uh, you
3: if you're...
2: (laughs) Yeah, they will. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) which uh, county seat of Hodgenville and that's actually the only Hodgenville in the country and the only LaRue County in the country. So if you Google it, you'll know where we're at. We're the, we're the only thing that'll pop up. We like saying that a lot about our show too. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, but no, I've been an uh, ag agent in LaRue County for four, four or five years now. I lose track of time uh, when you're having fun like that, but it's uh, before, before this job, I was in sales uh, selling fertilizer seed chemicals. So did that for six or seven years. So got a lot of experience uh, with working with, uh, farmers in that sense, but, uh, it was nice to kind of move from that and free up some of my weekends and some of my, uh, sanity in the springtime and, and take an extension job and i have loved it ever since love getting to work with the uh, farmers in this area and very similar to Whitney. You know, we've had a lot of cattle farmers here in LaRue County, uh, but we have a lot of uh, big grain producers here in LaRue County also that I get to work with. And then also we've got some, uh, pretty decent sized uh, fruit and vegetable growers uh, in the county. So I get kind of like Whitney, I have a diverse audience that I work with and that's what keeps things interesting and what I like. Um, my work experience has been more grain side of things, uh, but my my school and kind of my upbringing was a little more horticulture based. So I get to kind of use all that here in this county. And I'm also a new farmer myself. Uh, got a sheep farm and we like to talk about that on the show too, and make fun of Matt, um, because he doesn't have sheep.
3: Yet. You're not supposed to talk about sheep. On he doesn't have sheep yet.
2: So that's okay. I'll, I'll, will t- stop talking about sheep, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, we, we like to share some of our personal stories too, on the podcast. And I think it helps, I think it helps people relate to us and maybe hope we hope that it'll make people feel more comfortable, uh, with, with coming to us about things, it makes us seem more personable when we share some personal experiences
0: yeah daniel and i I can't hold the sheep thing against you because i grew up with sheep and we raised sheep for about 20 years or so when i was a kid it was one of those 4-h projects that got out of hand so uh,
1: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah and and to be honest uh when i went to grad school i had kind of intended to go on to uh uh, do sheep nutrition and, uh, kind of make a career in that field. But, uh, that quickly turned. So, because uh, I gonna say,
1: don't speak too loudly about that because, uh, you, you, might eventually have to answer some of those questions one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. See, it's been long enough that Daniel's more the expert than I am. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, uh, there's one other thing, Hodgenville, uh, there's, there's something a little bit famous about Hodgenville and, and that area. Isn't there? Um, well, I work there. Exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I guess our, there's a lot of things though you could be talking about Le Hayes, which is like one of the best burger places you'll ever eat at uh, down on the square in Hodgenville. but I, I, and then uh, you're probably talking about Abraham Lincoln, I'm going to guess. Yeah, very very popular uh place uh, for people to come in and visit and and uh, and, and see the county. So yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of Abraham Lincoln stuff going on here in in LaRue
1: County. Yeah
0: so a little bit of uh, attraction down through that area that might help uh, uh maybe some of that farm kind of um, pull in maybe some folks to come in and do some farm tours and and yep. some of the agritourism type thing exactly matt tell us a little bit about uh yourself and and where you're at over you're you're kind of in the they all claim to be somewhat central but If I were to throw a a dart at the dang map, I think you you would be the (laughs) center.
3: Yeah, so I'm the Ag and Natural Resources agent in Hardin County. Uh, If you need help with uh, finding Hardin County, it's Elizabethtown. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of right in the middle between Louisville and Bowling Green and uh, right in the intersection of I-65 and the Western Kentucky and Bluegrass Parkway. So we literally have an X marking Marking us in the center of Kentucky. So uh, I've been here going on. It'll be 11 years in July, I guess. It makes me feel old to say that I've been, I'm in the double digits now. But,
1: but you're uh, the youngest one of us. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting
3: thing. I'm the youngest one in our little group here, but I'm the extension veteran. So uh,
1: mm-hmm.
3: I was able to, fortunate enough, this job opened up just right as I was graduating uh, with my undergrad mm-hmm. from Western Kentucky University. Uh so yeah, I was uh grew up in southern Hardin County, so was kinda able to come back home. Uh really didn't go to school thinking I was gonna become an extension agent. It was just kinda one of those things that the doors all opened up and it kind of opportunity fell in my lap and uh been happy to be here ever since. So uh but yeah, I I live in southern Hardin County. Technically I'm in uh my home is in Hart county but the county line is basically in my front yard so uh live on a on a kind of diversified farm down here uh have a farming operation with my uh wife and some partnership with my dad and my mom on some other ground uh we're kind of the basis of that's a a cow calf operation so uh just kind of eat sleep and breathe it when Come home from from working an extension all day. We put her coveralls on and go back out to work again. So uh, I have a two and a half year old daughter that absolutely loves it and she loves her cows and tractors, and we're trying to hide the sheep from her. So <laughs> <laughs> good luck with
2: that. Yeah. One of these days I'm just gonna show up and just drop them off.
0: <laughs> Give him a bill. Just, here you go. Now, yeah, let me just let me yeah. just ask a quick question. Is sheep worse than a horse? That's the
3: next thing. Yeah. That the horse is probably coming before the sheep because my wife was a a certified horse girl. So she, she grew up around them. And, uh, actually my daughter has a pony that's at our in-laws right now. So we're just making sure we don't have anywhere to put it down here. (laughs) So (laughs) she, she can go to to Nana and to ride right. pony.
0: I don't know, Whitney. It sounds like he's he's destined to have uh, a uh-huh. little bit of a, a zoo going on there.
1: <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate y'all sharing a little bit and and Matt, before we leave you, so um kind of another somewhat close to you all uh, famous area would be where that all that gold supposedly is, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got the Fort Knox uh, gold Vault located in the northern end of the county. And- uh, Fort Knox Military Reservation is kind of one of the probably the major job centers in Hardin County. Uh, brings in a lot to our economy and kind of a big attraction. Uh, kind of an, a neat place. A little more restricted now with COVID, and and started getting a little more more restricted after 9/11. I can remember as a kid, we'd go to go on post to do all kinds of stuff, uh, just because it's kind of its own little area and. Yeah, you know, nature reserve and wildlife management area and stuff up there so there's a lot of attractions up there.
0: My my first couple of years here my son used to go to baseball tournaments down there on on yeah. the um, mm-hmm. complex. Yep. yep. And so that's changed quite a bit but um, you know it's uh, still interesting to know that it, it's close in hand. And I always remember Doug always talking about uh, some of the, the tank exercises and that, that would be going on around there that made things a little exciting. Oh, yeah, we, actually, we still,
3: still get the windows rattled every now and then. And I'm probably 45 to 50 miles from base.
1: <laughs> I grew up, I grew up probably 30 miles from Fort. No, well, it's not even really 30. It's more like 20 miles. Um, Cause I grew up in Eastern Breckenridge County on the line of Meade County. And, it, 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 we would hear it, and I actually, mm-hmm. you know, kind of miss it sometimes. You know, it's been gone for several years, but you always kind of knew when they were training up there.
0: Yeah, that that was one thing that's really really neat about that complex is you know the history of the tank training, and and you'd go through over the Patton Museum and all that. That's that was really a cool piece of history. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Dirt to Dollars podcast, and um, so we, we covered a little that y'all started this in March of 2020, almost, a, well, just a few weeks, and you'll be rolling up on your year anniversary. Yeah. So uh, what what was the goal or mindset that y'all had when you, you started the podcast? What, what would, maybe if you had to sum it up, what were you trying to achieve, and what message were you trying to deliver?
3: I'll start out by saying uh one of the reasons that i kind of wanted to jump in is you know it seems like in all these smaller communities it's easy for extension to get on the radio uh and in Elizabethtown especially it, it was hard i tried reached out several different times and you know we've got kind of a larger market share i guess and they're pretty stingy with their time for a lack of a better term i guess uh so you know we listen to all kind of listen to podcasts about various things that's uh the main thing i listen to is is a uh, when i'm driving in the truck or in tractor or whatever on the weekends or at night we usually have a have an ag related podcast of some kind on thought well that'd be a a neat different way to get it out and it's kind of i guess the future with our age group especially is you're listening to less radio and and more downloaded type media like this.
1: Well, and I can attest to that too, is being, you know, I guess technically that millennial generation, if you want to call it that. um, And going forward, that's, we find ourselves having a hard time maybe getting to meetings, getting to, especially with families that are full-time farming, or if you've got a part-time farming position and you have a full-time job, kind of like we do in our family and kids to, with thousands of things going on, it's easier to listen to a podcast going to and from to get your education or information um, than it would be maybe to go to um, a class. I'm not saying that that's going to do away with in-person trainings and classes, but it does help still get that information across in a, in a timely manner.
2: And I think a lot of it, too, is we, you know, we always ask our producers to try new things and uh, uh, maybe you know do this practice that is is going to be a better should have a better result for you because research shows it well we may not have all the research on how more efficient podcasts are but <laughs> it is kind of a new way of delivering information and if we're going to practice what we preach we need to be trying new things mm-hmm. and trying to reach new audiences and 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 maybe doing things that are a little uncomfortable for us because i think we were all a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. at first oh, uh, when we did this and <laughs> yep. uh And we've and it's worked for us and we're going to I think we look forward to continuing to do it. Um, But it's you know, I don't think we're at that state or that that time where we just hand people a publication all the time. You got to you got to do more than that. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think
2: this is this was our goal with this was to just be some way to supplement that or uh, educate people a little little different than normal.
1: An an example of that, I think, is. While I was on maternity leave, Matt and Daniel held down the fort, and they had a an extension specialist on for entomology, and if anybody is familiar in Kentucky with the private applicator, they have to get recertified over so many years, and with the coronavirus messing with some of that, they had to change some rules. And I had my support staff in my office who were asking questions about it, say, go listen to that. They've got all the information you need, you know? So even, <laughs> you know, as a personal thing, I thought, you know, I, that's a great way to get that quick info out, even if it's in your own staff.
0: That's a good point. And it's, um, you, know, you, you know, the, the ability that, to take technology and kind of, find information while you're doing something else rather than sit down and read has really helped along um these kind of formats typically we would you know send out something in a newsletter or whatever and you know you'd have to find the time to sit down and read it right well (laughs) if you're getting home at six at night got to do an hour's worth of chores and run to a basketball game for one of your kids you just don't have the time for that or if you're driving home 30 minutes from work you can flip that thing on and, and give it a listen so that's a good that is a good thing about the technology and where we've kind of moved to today. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if, if you were to try to think about, um, you know, this kind of approach to it, um, how hard has it been to come up with new topics? Cause y'all are cranking out podcasts pretty frequently. And uh, sometimes it gets a little challenging on the creative wheels to come up with new ideas and that. So what is your kind of drive for, or spark of, Kind of ingenuity on new topics and programs. Well, so we're extension agents, and we have people that
2: call us daily uh, <laughs> with questions. So I think uh, the biggest thing has just been what we're hearing and what we're getting into the office. Um, you know, a lot of agents will say, oh, "I could write a book about all the experiences I've had." Well, we're pretty much recording a podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, based on on what we're what we're hearing and and kind of modeling what we. Share Because if we're getting those questions, it's obviously timely and, and it's going to be things that people are concerned or worried about. So that's that's what we try to to do with that. We, we, we text a lot between the three of us. Um, you know, if something comes up um, or, or if there's topics we know we need to talk about, we make sure to present those and, and we text daily uh, about all those things. So we think it helps us have timely and important information that our listeners would would, would gain from.
3: And And, I'll add to that a little bit, too, that uh, I know we all follow ag news pretty closely, Uh, either even stuff as simple as following people on Twitter and seeing topics pop up uh, or following the major ag media outlets. Uh, And I know it's helped me stay a little more on top of my game about researching when a when an issue comes up or a new program of some kind it seems like it's been easy to to uh, come up with new topics through 2020 because we've had had so many different government programs to talk about and so many issues and and problems that have popped up throughout the year and uh, something like that pops up and we just pick the right person for the next week and go with it
1: well and it's a little easier to get With a specialist in this situation too, because if you've got a timely topic and you need uh, some specialist information, or if you need somebody to talk to about it, you know, it's a little easier for them to hop on a zoom call than it is for them to drive two hours, you know, down and have a night meeting so it's, it's just a way to. Um, make that a little more manageable as well. So those timely topics are, that's kind of how we can do that. Is we can get access to the specialists a little easier too.
0: Well, and I, I think that the way you all have approached it with your kind of common questions that are coming in, that's why people enjoy the podcast too, is it, it's questions they probably had in the back of their mind and they can relate mm-hmm. to the information. And, and once you, it seems like once you kind of make that connection and get folks tuned in and they're, kind of gonna come right back and say, I enjoyed that. Let's see what they got this week. Yeah. So you you guys have done a great job of taking that approach and kind of the banter back and forth is always enjoyable too. You all <laughs> kind of get sidetracked a little bit on this and that, and that's always good to hear. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's what makes it fun, you know? Yeah. Um, that And I think personally, that's what we've missed, not having our face-to-face meetings.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: That, that social interaction of just finding out what folks have been up to.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we know that our farmers in my area, especially I have an older generation of farmers that are not able to come to some of these meetings. So you'd be surprised of the guys that are, you would think, well, they're not going to listen to that podcast, but they do. And, and then of course, for uh, Daniel and Matt and their counties, they've got the local radio show that will played the podcast on Saturday. So they still get that information. And that's been really, really great and really a good help for us as well.
0: So if folks wanted to listen in, um, what's the easiest way or how would you direct them to go find the podcast?
3: Basically, they can just go to Google and type in Dirt to Dollars podcast. Uh, usually it'll it'll auto fill in and, and Google or whatever search engine before you even get it typed out and that always blows my mind that our little little central kentucky podcast <laughs> that yeah. a search engine recognizes it that easy to, uh, and it'll pull it up uh we use uh, a hosting site called buzzsprout but then they shoot it out to uh all the major all the major podcast hosts i guess you call it app uh mm-hmm. apple podcast and spotify and uh any of them that basically that that carry the major podcasts.
2: And then we're also on uh, Saturday mornings here in a local Hodgeville radio station, Abe 93.7. They play it every Saturday morning at eight Oh five. And actually, if you wanted to listen live, that's, they have uh, their website, Abe 93.7.com where you can uh, listen, listen on there. They stream it live. So it Mm -hmm. works out good. And we always try to tie in here lately. We've been tying in with some country music songs. It's a country, it's a classic country station. So we try to, mention a song or something in the, in the show, and then he'll play it uh, coming after, after our show. So it's kind of a fun thing we've been trying to do here lately too.
1: And we also have Facebook and our county extension agent or our offices have the information on our websites. And, you know, that has our local information too. And we, we try to tell, I mean, it is a central centrally located type podcast, but a lot of the stuff that we talk about can be dispersed throughout the state. So we tell everybody at the end, they can contact their local extension agent to get information. If it's a topic that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, if, if you want some resources like the publications and that mm-hmm. to, to get a little more information, go in and, and call that extension office and they can get those pubs for you. And mm-hmm. uh, Matt, you mentioned the Google search, but um, just to clarify, so if, easiest way to do it is probably dirt and then the number two mm-hmm. dollars. and mm-hmm. I yeah. think that will it, come up.
3: Yeah, it'll pop up either way. You can use the, use the number or spell out two either way.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, it uh, it certainly is um, kind of a cool way to, to just kind of get messages out there. And um, uh, it, it can be a little bit time tasking, I know. And uh, Daniel, I think you're the editor on this. And takes a little time to edit, but um, it it seems like in the long run, when you look at the amount of effort that, that we have to expend on something like this and the impact that we can have, it's a really good return on our investment.
1: Oh, absolutely
0: yeah and then as an agent we need to
2: report you know we we have to report how many contacts we make and it's been hard to do with 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 covid but this you know doing these shows we're able to get numbers of people who download and listen and and it just helps us to be able to write our reports and show our impacts that we're making Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes it makes it worth the time when you can get some good numbers back
0: so um, i'd I'd like to just dive off to a little bit uh, different area here real quick and um One of the concerns that we've received from county agents is challenges on trying to keep their local County Cattlemen's Association groups meeting during this Mm -hmm. time and not being able to meet at the extension office. A lot of you host county cattlemen's groups uh, for meetings and have speakers in, et cetera. Field days, Whitney, I know you guys Mm -hmm. uh, team up and do a regional field day, but how how have you all tried to uh, manage keeping your Cattlemen's Association groups connected during this time frame or has it really been a challenge for you and, and what kind of approaches do you think you'll be able to do here in the near future to try and get them back together?
3: I know for us it's been pretty tough uh, because I don't we really probably haven't I don't think our Cattlemen's has met since their annual meeting a year ago in December, uh, because I think they had a had an in-person meeting scheduled sometime in March was kind of their spring meeting. And, and of course that was canceled with COVID restrictions, but uh, so I know those folks are kind of yearning to, to get back, uh, did have a, a virtual annual meeting just to kind of handle some business real quick back in December. Uh, and our president has has done a good job keeping up with uh, some newsletters and keeping people engaged and informed. But uh, I know their membership has has dropped off. Their membership renewal has has really dropped off here through the winter. Uh, so I know they're they're hoping we can kind of get a get approved to get some in person meetings going as we as we go into spring and maybe get a field day going back this summer or fall to get some people out and engaged and and get membership back up
2: i think matt said a key word there field day uh trying to do things outside um our our, our cattleman's board has has met a few times and they're get, being a little proactive and scheduling a few things and, and we're going to help with it you know as the ex, as extension office but um, help do some things outside where people can spread out and learn and uh, socialize a little bit you know it's still going to still kind of iffy on on what all that would look like but trying to do some stuff You know, it's just trying to get together and learn.
1: That's similar to what we're doing. Our cattlemen were actually lucky enough to meet several times through the summer. Uh, They worked with our fairgrounds and were able to meet in the pavilion during the summer months. And now their, their membership that usually attend a meeting was way down. You know, there was only essentially the executive offers and a few officers and a few others. However, they were still able to meet. Uh, throughout that time they've met a couple of times as an executive committee uh, because we do the cost share they're the ones that do the cost share program in our county and so they've had to meet but it's been here and there it's been sporadic but once again we're planning a we're actually planning a field day for June they were actually able to whenever the numbers dipped back in the fall. We were actually able to do a miniature field day. It wasn't, there was, when I say miniature, I mean, there was maybe 30 people there and we were spread out on a farm and did some livestock judging and structural, uh, you know, soundness and uh, had a sort of clinic for that. And that was their They've done a few of those types of things, but that's been about it. And like you said, we're trying to, to think outside the box, but springtime coming I think will help a lot of that being able to get outside
0: yeah I know there's folks that have tried to do um projecting on the drive-in if they've got a drive-in movie theater and uh, Mm. there's some groups that will uh come to your county and set something up like that with a big screen but it it's not inexpensive you know you're a couple thousand dollars for a meeting and that can kind of pull into the coffers pretty quick if you've got to do that for a meeting uh, once every quarter or once a month. So I I hope that as we get into the springtime, we can do some of these field days. We've talked a lot about that too, you know, maybe spreading out and having stations and you can get 10, 15 people to come through a station and keep them distanced. And, you know, I, I think people too are getting tired of Online meetings, to be quite honest.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> we as extension agents are getting tired of online meetings.
0: <laughs> Come on yeah. now, I've got those uh, agent updates getting ready to start, and I expect to see y'all it's there. It's not your everyone. fault.
1: <laughs> it's not your fault. It's just right. it's the nature of the beast. It's one of those things that we've we've done so much of it that, you know, we're missing the people interaction as well. I'm missing people interaction in general. I mean, my three children and my husband. I love them all greatly, but I need some. you know outside the house interaction so um we're i think that while it's a great tool i think that the face-to-face meetings are things that we i think people are looking forward to getting back to
0: that's what we do i mean that's Mm -hmm. that to be honest i think you all have the personalities and i mean if if you're going to be an extension you've got to be one of those people that enjoys that social interaction Mm -hmm. so real quick as we wrap up um uh if, if y'all have some kind of beef related programming that you've done that's a bit unique, um, I like to showcase a little bit of that and um, just be thinking about it. Even if it's not beef related, it could be forage related or you know farm enterprise management, anything along those lines. Let um, me just think a little bit about some unique things that you all have done. And um, the, the reason I like to share that is some of our county agents are sometimes looking for programs or projects that might be able to be replicated in their counties. So Whitney, why don't you start and give us a little idea?
1: Okay, you're going to make me shake the rest off, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We have actually, one of the more recent projects we've done in our county has kind of been along the lines of uh, DNA and doing some genomic testing with some uh, cows instead of bulls. And so we're working with that. And I think we're working with Dr. Bullock on that with some genetic Uh, getting some information on that. And I'm working with the county extension agent Hancock County on that. And uh, I've had several producers involved in that. And that basically is allowing us to understand what the cow is bringing to the genomic process and not just the bull so we can work on what we want to do for those producers or what that producer wants to do to help increase his profit on his farm. Um, And then we also uh, are really involved in the Kentucky Beef IRM group that you all have. We do a lot of the um, projects that you all bring from you know, your Oz aspect. I worked with Dr. Les Anderson here in the last couple of years with uh, condensing our breeding season as for a lot of our producers, because they're those part-time guys that are, that's one of their biggest struggles is trying to get a Um, defined calving season and so we are uh, working with him on that and then just your average we do a regional beef field day um, and have specialists come in and have local vendors and so those typical things that are extension uh, that we've done in years past but that's on the beef side of things two of the main projects I've been working on and um, the extend thing the app that's eventually coming out I think we've got some producers that are going to be involved in
0: that as well Oh, we we've got a friday uh go through on it so it's coming yeah. really quick
1: i know it's exciting
0: yeah matt how about you
3: uh probably our biggest uh beef extension project which this was started before my time uh that is the our what we call our pasture to plate retained ownership program uh we've been sending cattle since i think the first load went in 2006. Uh, so started a few years before I came on board, but uh, I've been able to kind of be involved in and kind of growing that project, Uh, send some cattle through it personally, just to kind of stay involved with it that way, Uh, and just a really good good project to uh, be able to uh, really see what you've got in terms of a feeder calf, Mm -hmm. Uh, get to follow that calf all the way through, and Jeff, I know you've you've sat down and looked at data sets with our producers before, and uh, you know you get a world of data. Sometimes it's overwhelming how much data you get through that, but it's a, a neat program, especially if you can get somebody to do it multiple years with the, especially with a, on a whole herd basis to be able to see how your benchmarks are moving and uh, how much better those calves will grade and whatnot. Uh, something that's kind of I guess surprised me here lately is uh, some people that we've had that have have uh, have shipped for several years or shipped a few times have jumped on this freezer beef bandwagon and it let them know that they had cattle that would grade and that they were going to have a have a quality product and they had those genetics to be able to finish those calves at home and uh, have a pr- quality product that would would sell there so um, but yeah, been been involved with that ever since I've been on board here, and uh, Doug Shepard, the other ag agent there in the county, and myself were the uh, the state coordinators for that program. Right. It's Tri County Steer Carcass Futurity. Uh, that's all organized through Iowa State University out in Iowa, uh, and we're the we're the state coordinators for that. So if anyone's interested in putting loads of cattle together, we. Typically pull them from all across the state to, to put a load together when we do it,
0: and have that nice new facility there to do loadouts if need be too, right?
3: Yep, yeah, we just just built a facility in 2018, I guess, uh, is when it was completed. Uh, we can hold about two semi loads of cattle in in pens there and have a group scale and uh, full working facility if we need to do anything. And it's it's nice after after loading cattle out at various stockyards across the state the the last few years to have something that you were able to sit down and kind of see what did work and what didn't work in these other facilities and be able to design it and and realize it's just like designing a working facility at home if you put a lot of thought into it the first group of cattle you you run through it if it if it goes smoothly it's really satisfying (laughs) so it works really well to to do that there
0: it's probably a, a, a valuable thing too to have uh decent uh fences around so they don't get out on the interstate and that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh Daniel, how about yourself? Um, you know, I've done a
2: few, I guess small. Uh, farm research plots. Uh, I've tried to been uh, been trying to encourage producers to to do a little more of this, testing things out. We've we've done some crabgrass plots, uh, some uh, winter stockpiling with with um, and and timing of nitrogen applications and amount of nitrogen applications, and looking and seeing what it's doing on the farm level. Um, looking forward to doing more of those as as it goes on, and 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 really as you do some of these and farmers start to see. How, how good that is. They're more open to letting us come out and, and do things. Um, but probably the, one of the neater things that I've been doing lately is working with a peer group. So I'm facilitating a peer group of grain farmers, which several of them also have cattle aspects of their operation. And, uh, um, you know, been doing that for a few years now, and actually be sharing with agents here in April uh, about how that's gone and maybe some ways that they can apply that uh, to farmers in their areas. And I think it has a lot of applications to uh, uh, cattle farmers, you know, in different commodity groups. So, you know, within those groups, uh, groups of farmers could sit down and, and talk about uh, things and issues, whether, you know, be from a financial aspect or maybe from an agronomic aspect or livestock health or even just social and emotional health aspects. Um, so looking forward to, to growing that project. And if you're an agent and have questions about that, feel free to give me a call. Um, it's worked really well for, for me over the last few years and has given me some really good uh, feedback. It helps, helps with programming too when you start to hear what some of these farmers are having issues with that you don't always hear about when you have a group and say, hey, you know, tell me th- things I need for programming. You know, you just get crickets a lot of the times. But when you're sitting down and talking, uh, letting people talk with each other about what the problems are, a lot of things kind of come out from that. And I think that's probably the thing that I've been most excited about working with here lately.
1: And I think all three of us have had producers in our county that have had, uh, have utilized the beef solutions, the Kentucky beef product. I think there's been a lot of folks that um, in our counties that have as well. So that's another thing that we're, you know, trying to continue to push.
0: And and beef solutions is just for our listeners that are are maybe not heard about it is uh, it's a Kentucky based uh, hamburger product that's in the Kroger stores here and uh, basically coming from our um, uh, cows here in the state processed here and then and sold here locally. So it's a good little way to add some value to some some of our um, cattle here locally. Daniel, you mentioned those peer groups and uh, I'll just say in our our beef forum that we had, that was one of the things that kind of would spin out of this is developing peer groups for new and young farmers with experienced farmers and trying to link them together to learn from each other. And, you know, just, you know, go across that generational gap or years of experience gap.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's it's really along the same lines of why we do this podcast you know trying to deliver information in new ways uh it's just another way you know you're you're really delivering information uh but it's you're delivering it from one person to another in a group rather than from you know somebody standing up in front of the crowd and 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 preaching more or less but it's uh uh, but no it's it's been a really good way for for people to learn from each other
0: yeah and I, i think that's something else that we've we've had maybe to rethink a little bit, um, even some of my colleagues in other states have, have gone to no PowerPoint presentations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did one with Nick Roy, uh, several years ago down in Adair County on creep feeding. And I sat in a chair in a circle and everybody sat around it and we just talked about it and discussed it. And you can get a lot of good interaction and experiences from others with things going that way. And, um, probably as effective as standing up there with a set of slides
3: and Jeff to uh, to kind of further that point too you know we talked about with our uh pasture to plate project we a lot of times especially if we have new participants in it we'll try when we get a closeout to get several of you guys several of the specialists down and have a one-on-one meeting with them and probably the last one we did probably been three or four years ago uh think you were there and we really went in into detail even on how some data on how like preconditioning rations and stuff can affect how cattle grade in the feedlot and had several people after that. You know, we had a group of eight or 10 producers there and had several after that come up to us and say that was the probably the best extension meeting they had ever participated in. So I I think you're on to something there, just having some of these casual conversations with smaller groups
0: yeah I, I hate to say this, but it it gets us out of the entertainment business per se you
1: know? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I mean that
0: sometimes we're down there to do a, an evening program over you know after a dinner and that at a at a mm-hmm. group meeting, but um, it's really more of a social event to be honest and mm-hmm. sometimes if you narrow those groups down with similar focus interests, um, you can have as big of an impact with fewer people
1: yeah I always say that the best the best learning people do a lot of times is the meetings or the little powwows that you have with the specialist after the the actual presentation.
0: Or even amongst themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. if they've tried something that um, had this new product came out and herbicide, have you tried it? And what was the result? Yeah. Well, you guys, I I just want to Take a couple minutes and thank you all for taking time out of your day and uh, visiting with us about uh, your Dirt to Dollars podcast and how you got that started. And then uh, a little bit about some of the beef programming that you all have going on regionally. And and I'd encourage folks to reach out to you all uh, if you're interested in any of the topics we talked about. be sure to to grab on to dirt to dollars and you'll find the extension offices too if you look up Whitney and Daniel and and Matt um, the, the county information is there if you just search uh, their counties and it, extension in Kentucky you'll find their contact information I want to thank you all again appreciate y'all joining us
1: thank you for having us yep, yep. thanks thank for you. having us
0: on we'll have to do this again sometime soon yep for sure all right all right thank you guys we'll talk to you soon all right Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. We hope you found it enjoyable and informative. Be sure to subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast for future episodes as well as listen to previous ones. Until next time, be safe and reach out to your county extension office for more information on beef management topics.